Thank you so much for your singing. You may have a seat. I'm excited to be back with you again. I've been gone for a little bit, so it's good to see so many of your faces. And again, a huge thank you to our staff and volunteers and our leadership team who allowed me the time to uh, step away. I'm incredibly grateful and thankful. And uh, before I left, I I knew that we were going to be starting this series, right, as we kind of build toward Thanksgiving and Christmas, and as we look about the world that's around us, just this topic of being thankful and what does the Scripture say, and quite frankly, what we have to be thankful for in the midst of the season that we're in, right? Because it's fall, right? Pumpkin spice lattes are back. I expected one cheer. Yeah, a couple. All right, you don't have to like pumpkin spice. I just know that there are people out there who do, right? Halloween may or may not be happening. I don't know about your house. We've already bribed our kids with candy, uh, not because I hate trick-or-treating, right? I love walking around in the dark, in the cold, getting candy that I can't eat. That's my favorite thing to do. Uh, but we said, hey, kids, pro- might not happen this year, right? Because of COVID, not because I don't want to, right? But fall's got me in a little bit of a thankful mood. I don't know if anybody's there with me, but as I start thinking about fall and Thanksgiving and turkey and eating and stuffing and, oh, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that to us this morning. Uh, but I don't know about your family, right? But, but at Thanksgiving, we do this thing where we, where we start out, right? You go around the table, and what's the first thing that you have to do at the Thanksgiving table? Say what you're thankful for, right? So we go around and we all have these things that we say we're thankful for. Now, I'm notoriously terrible at this, right? I'm terrible at small talk. We've established that. Family, church, God, all those just move right along. I want to get to the turkey, right? I just got to get through whatever we're getting through here. But that got me thinking about this year. And maybe you're not this forward planning. I'd be surprised if you are. But what do you say this year? Right? If we sat down, if we were having coffee, if it were Thanksgiving dinner, and we sat down to say, hey, what are you thankful for in the year of our Lord COVID-19, right? Like, what are the things that you would say rise to the surface, right? I'm, I'm thankful that the world didn't end completely yet. Like, that's a good, that's a good thing, right? I'm, I'm grateful that only a quarter of a million people lost their life due to complications with COVID. I'm grateful that school is still in session, right? School's still in session. We're there. We're on the fence. We're deciding. So what in the world do we have to be thankful for? I think that if we're honest, this year, this season presents us with a special opportunity, right, to think through and to go, what are those things that we're thankful for? Because in the midst of a new cycle and an election cycle and of all the things that have been going on in our world, what on earth do we have to be thankful for? Four. Maybe I'm overly pessimistic, I'm okay with that, but it just got me thinking that maybe we could have a conversation together about those areas, those places, those things in our life that we do have to be thankful for, to put into practice some of the ancient teachings that Scripture tells us about the practice of gratitude and being thankful, that together as we approach Thanksgiving, that maybe it wouldn't just be a normal, typical holiday, or maybe it wouldn't be the antithesis of this year and we'd struggle to find things to be thankful for, but maybe as Christians, as Christ followers of redeemed people, that we could actually enter into this season, experience it fully with all of the tensions that abound there, and come to a time and a season of thanksgiving, and yes, eventually Christmas, it still is coming this year, and be able to hold up a reason for the faith that we have. 
Because as we'll find out today, that thankfulness and gratitude have very, very tangible and real physical, emotional, and spiritual implications that we can all benefit from. And I think they're sorely needed in our world today. So starting today, we're going to be doing six weeks on being thankful, how to express thanksgiving when maybe we feel empty, maybe when the world around us isn't quite where we want it to be, when things aren't exactly working out in the way that maybe we planned for 2020. So as we start this subject, let's start just tackling that question, right? Thankful for what? Because I, I think it's unanimous, right? If we went around the room and were to give a grade to 2020, it, it, it's an F, right? Like it's a big red rubber stamp, like redo this year. We're counting down to 2021, hoping things get better. But this year has had ups and it's had downs, right? And I think that as a whole, we can all find commonality in that, right? That 2020 hasn't been this bright ray of sunshine. We've all lost real tangible connections with our communities, with the people around us, with our neighborhoods, with your church, with your friendships, relationships family. Maybe it's been your job or your health. There's an innumerable amount of areas where we've all suffered tremendously. And some of those social structures are recognizable, right? Like there's been a loss to work, right? Zoom meetings and texting during the Zoom meeting is the new water cooler conversation, right? Are you with me? Anybody over Zoom meetings like 1,000%? I don't want to be on a camera. Not to you guys. I love you guys. But I don't want to be on camera you need to wake with me this morning. I need some feedback, please. Thank you. It's been six months since I've been preaching live. I'm used to a camera. That would be a cut, and we'd just start over. Can we do that? Can we cut? And All right, we'll keep going. All of these things have changed, right? Our social structures, the way that we interact, the relationships that we have, and that's just on the most basic level. If we were to sit down and to have a conversation, we might learn that there are people among us who are dealing with job loss and that as the money runs out from some of the stimulus packages, they're rubbing their hands together going, I don't know quite how we're going to make it until Thanksgiving. Thankful for what? Maybe you have people in your life, by this point, almost all of us know someone that has come down or contracted COVID-19. The statistics would tell us that many of us know someone who has lost their life due to this disease. And while things may be getting better, that's not to say that this hasn't been a tremendous tragedy around the world for our country and probably in your life. So as we approach a season of thanksgiving, thankful for what? Right now, it seems like there's a whole lot that pushes against us that we have a right to be angry about, to be upset about, to be disjointed about, and we have the opportunity to say, you know what, there's not a whole lot to be grateful for right now. And I think that's why it's so important that we talk about and tackle this subject about gratitude because the data is in and every sector of research from study from science and spirituality confirms that yes, in fact, gratitude has the power to change our lives. And the opposite to that is also true, that if we don't take the time to redo some of these negative thought processes, they become self-fulfilling prophecies, and we get sucked down the hole of depression and anxiety and getting stuck in, stuck in negative thought patterns, and we need a fix for that. So I found this brief video that explains, on the surface at least, of just what we know about gratitude's effect on a purely physical realm. I thought it was enlightening. Take a look with me. 
day should contain comfort immeasurably improves your overall well-being. For example, studies prove that gratitude can increase happiness, reduce depression, and strengthen resiliency. Grateful people often experience reduced blood pressure, less chronic pain, increased energy, even longer lives. People who purposefully express more gratitude report higher self-esteem than those who don't, and they're more likely to help others, a pro-social behavior also linked to greater happiness. People who capture grateful thoughts before bed sleep better than those who don't. Why so many positive changes? Because gratitude actually rewires our brains, kickstarting the production of dopamine and serotonin. Like antidepressants, these feel-good neurotransmitters activate the bliss center of the brain, creating feelings of happiness and contentment. This appears to be self-perpetuating. Research suggests that with regular practice, you'll train your prefrontal cortex to better appreciate and retain positive experiences and thoughts, and to deflect the negative ones. Again, this is just the surface of what science is telling us, having an attitude of gratefulness, of thanksgiving can do for just our physical human bodies and the human experience. And don't just believe it because somebody with a nice British accent made a fun video about it, right? This is research done by Harvard and Berkeley leading scientists, New York Times best-selling authors, and they're all pointing at the amazing health benefits that gratitude, simply changing our focus from what's wrong to what's right, from what we don't have to what we do have. These are the effects that it can have on our bodies, on our minds, really on our souls. And you heard the list in the video, but as we dig into the research, we can actually add more to that list. I don't expect you to write it down, but if you have a bulletin, there's at least one blank if you want to write something that stands out to you from this list. But people who express gratitude, not only feeling it, but expressing it, exp proving it outside of themselves, show to have proven increases in happiness. Anybody could use some happy, I, I, right? happiness, right? Reduce depression. There are physical health benefits. You heard in the video, there's higher self-esteem. You have greater giving, a higher sense of empathy, of giving yourself away. You'll have better sleep, data says, if you journal and if you have gratitude expressed. You'll have lower blood pressure and cortisol levels, right? There's a social feedback component as this as well, that you experience an increase in community and connection, rewiring your brain to welcome positivity and reject negative thought patterns, right? Show of hands, sign me up, right? Anybody want a little bit more of that in their life, right? I know I could deal with a number of those categories, and here's the breathtaking thing, the, the mind-boggling thing to me, right? This isn't just science. As a matter of fact, I think this is science catching up with what spirituality and religion has long championed as hallmarks of our belief, that gratefulness, gratitude, giving thanks are essential to what it means to be followers of God, people of the way, right? Scripture has always affirmed that gratitude and thankfulness are hallmarks of who we are. That there are religious expression, not only towards God, of course we thank him for his blessings and his provision for the gift of eternal life that he gives us, but also in the expressing of gratitude and thanksgiving to each other, to the people around us in the world. It's like God was on to something as he commands this to his people, that as we were instructed to do these things, that they aren't just for him, they aren't just for that, but they're for our benefit and our joy. It's like we're kids being told to 
to eat our vegetables, that we're developing positive habits. Scripture is exhorting us towards gratefulness. Now science is catching up and affirming those things in the way that God was attempting to lead his people to a more happier and fulfilled life. And this is all over Scripture. We wouldn't have to take long. I bet you could think of a verse or two right now sitting in your seats, despite the fact that I gave them to you in the bulletin, that you could find and think through some verses that express thanksgiving to God or thanksgiving to his people. Can you do it? Let me give you a freebie here. Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing Love for his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. It's all over the Psalms. It's all over the Scripture. You heard it in the worship and the songs that we sing. And Scripture is this recorded following of how people pursue God. Right? They aren't just texts to us, but they're a model, a way in which the people before us have lived for and followed and served God. And so when we read through the Psalms about giving thanks, we see that give thanks appears some 36 times in 24 Psalms. Right? That's one out of every six Psalms is the people reminding themselves or calling out their thankfulness or thanksgiving to God. And while that's a great reminder, again, it's an indicator of the way that our lives are supposed to be conducted, right? Giving thanks to God. Why? Because of all of these positive science benefits that we are now aware of, but gratitude and thanksgiving fundamentally change our brain chemistry, making us happier and healthier people. And God has instructed his people to do this for thousands of years, to be the examples not only within ourselves but to the world around us about how to live the type and quality of life that God has for us. Not only so that we experience his divine blessing, right, the goodness of God poured out on to us, but that that blessing actually changes us, transforms us to be a blessing to those around us, right? So when we read in the Psalms and in the Old Testament about people giving thanks to God, remove the notion that this is a simple thank you card, right? That this is some sort of duty or obligation, that this is a religious ritual or rite, and recognize that this is a life response recorded in Scripture that creates a positive feedback loop of joy and hope in the human mind and experience, this is why Israel is constantly reminding people of its history. Hey, remember where we came from. Remember the great things that God did in the past. Remember when he came through for us here. Remember the story of David. Remember the story of Solomon. Remember the good things that God has constantly done for us because in expressing those stories, they express thanksgiving and gratitude. And the hope is that as we gather and worship together, as we worship at home, that we experience and cultivate those same things as well. So we're going to do a little experiment today. We're going to try some responsive reading. This may or may not be familiar for you. If you grew up in a more traditional, uh, a more traditional church, this may give you negative flashbacks. That's not my intention. If not, hopefully this is a new experience that we can go through together. But the Psalms, again, are, are a template for worship. They're ancient songs, they're ancient recordings, they're models for the way in which Israel would gather and worship and pray together. So we're going to do a responsive reading from Psalm 136, and you have one line, right? I'm going to make this super easy on you, but you have masks, so you got to be loud so the people at home can hear you, all right? But here's your line. Your line is, his love endures forever. 
Easy enough? All right, do we need to practice? I feel like we need to practice. I trust you guys, but I just, I've been burned, I've been hurt before, you know? Okay, so I'm going to say a line, and then your response is going to be, his love endures forever. And I'm going to say another line, and you're going to say, his love endures forever. Perfect. And here's what I want you to resist, because I can already feel it, right? The resistance is that we want to fall into a monotonous tone, that we want it to be a religious experience, that we're going to go, his love endures forever. It's going to be very factual, it's going to be very matter of fact, it's going to be very true, and we're going to move on to the next one because this makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> okay? What I want us to do is I want you to slow down. I want this to be an expression of worship. I want the words to permeate our minds as we speak about them, that this represents a giving of thankfulness, that this represents a reflection on our life, on the ways in which God has served us and to experience maybe just to a fraction of a level what the ancient Hebrew culture as they came into worship, as they came into temple and they recited these responsive readings, what they heard, what they thought, what they felt, what they experienced, and to connect these words that we say with the expression of worship that we convey. You ready? All right, let's give it a go. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spread out, out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. He remembered us in our low estate and freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Now, I don't know if you felt anything from that particular experience. But the invitation, the challenge to us is that as we read scripture, as we worship in song, as we gather together, that there would be this divine moment, this divine opportunity where we step out of perhaps our nine to five world, the world in reality and where we think most of our life occurs and that we physically step into a space where we're reminded of the goodness of God where we're reminded that all of this litany of things that we just went through are all little indicators of the love, in fact, that God has and displays for us. And that by taking the time to center ourselves on those places, even through repetition that may be monotonous, but that gives us the opportunity to simply breathe, to be reminded of his goodness to be reminded of the places in which his spirit fills and to step into those opportunities and to recognize and respond and to allow our minds to be reset to go, you know what, his love endures forever. What lines might you add to that psalm? Right? In the midst of COVID, does his love endure forever? Perhaps you have a sense of loss, 
whether of physical health or somebody passing away, maybe you've lost your job, can you add your litany to the phrase that his love endures forever for you? As your kids are in school and as they have their ups and downs, I know that my son is missing out on sports in school that he was really excited about. And so as I reflect on this psalm and my experience in thanksgiving with God, I'm going, his love endures forever. Even when life isn't quite how I want it to be. And the power of doing this, the the power of this moment of reflection is that it fundamentally changes our brain chemistry. Not me, not the Bible. These are scientists who are saying when you do these things, when you experience these things, your life will change. And it's something that God has been affirming and challenging his people for, for thousands of years. It's like God knew what he was doing. Right? Shocker. I know. Hard to get your brain around. But it's like God knew that if we would enter into these positive feedback loops, these habits of thanksgiving and gratitude and hope, that we would fundamentally rewire our brain, that we would become people of joy and hope and experience not only the fullness of his promise, but demonstrate it for the people around us. And he hardwired these things into our bodies, into our physical make. And this isn't just the wisdom literature, it's not just the Psalms that have this, this is sprinkled all throughout every portion of Scripture. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, the writer records this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. What does that look like in your world right now? Now, don't just give thanks for the good things, not just the happy moments, not just when things are going right. How do we give thanks in the middle of what we're going through? Thanks in the middle of the world collapsing around us. How do we experience, exhibit, and show this positive attitude of gratitude? And I'm not saying we should just put it on the surface. I'm not just saying, be happy, don't worry. I'm saying, how do we integrate the depth of profound gratitude that we feel for God in the midst of a world that seems to be collapsing around us? Because it's easy enough to simply say, thank God. It's easy enough to say the right words, to sing the right songs, to read the right scriptures, to say thank you when we're supposed to. But the real challenge comes in, how do we actually cultivate these areas in our life? How do we live and breathe in this attitude of gratitude, right? Which I know is too cheesy. I know it's way overused, but it's the best way to say it, right? How do we convey, how do we cultivate these areas of our life? How do we integrate science and faith and our experience around habits and practices that will actually change our life for the better, even in the middle of COVID? A couple of research options. These are just from the scientists again, but I think that you'll find that they interlace perfectly with what Scripture tells us to do. First is this, think about what you have, not what you don't. Think about what you have, not what you don't. Think about all the goodness that God has given you, the blessings that you do have. Reorient your thoughts and thanks around what you've already been given. Don't just start your Christmas list of all the things that you want but are not true now. Why? 
because science tells us when we focus on the positive areas of our life, those have increasing returns on us continuing to experience and think about those positive things. But the opposite is also true. When we think about the negative, what we don't have, our brain tends to focus on those areas and we get stuck in those negative feedback loops. So focus not on what you don't have, but focus on what you do have. Philippians 4.6 might say it this way, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So that's the first one. Think about what you have, not what you don't. The second one, express gratefulness or gratitude to others. Express gratitude toward others, right? It's one thing to simply think about the things that we're thankful for in prayer or in a quiet time or in a moment like this, but then take an action step. Send a note. Write an encouraging text. When you're thankful for someone, tell them, hey, I was thinking about you and I'm thankful. I remember the time when you did this, and I just wanted to let you know that I still think about that all of these years later. If you're thankful for something in your life and that thing was a gift, can you write a note to the person who gave it to, the, to you and say, thank you? You may not remember this, but at Christmas four years ago, you gave me this, and it's been so meaningful, I still think about it regularly. Because again, when we just think about grateful attitudes, those are one thing, but when we express them, when we take them out of ourselves, now not only is it reverberating into someone else, but it's refocusing those channels in our brains and in our spiritual practices. Number three, this one's difficult, especially with masks on, but you've got to smile more. Smile more, right? Have a positive disposition. And when you're behind a mask, it means you've got to smile with your eyes, right? It means you've got more work to do. If you have a hat, sunglasses, and a mask on, don't bother, right? It's not going to matter. Nobody's going to, no. But when you smile, even if nobody else sees it, what you're doing is you're communicating that you are grateful and thankful for life that is going on around you. It changes the way you interact with the world. And even in today's day and age, a smile, a lilting voice carries a long way when you're in the supermarket and everybody's stressed and everybody's hot with their masks on or in church where everybody just wants this guy to stop talking so we can get outside and take off the mask because it's hot and we don't like it. Just smile. Just be grateful for the breath that is in your lungs. Be grateful for the person across from you that you're interacting with. Why, again, because we're trying to create these positive feedback loops and simply smiling is an expression of gratitude and thanksgiving. Number four, serve or give generously. Put yourself out there to pour outside of yourselves. Hmm, I wonder where in the world you could find space or opportunity to be giving and serving. Right, like here, okay? Right? Tons of opportunities for you to get involved in serving, pouring yourself out. And again, this isn't because we want something for, from you. It's because we want something for you. We want you to have the ability to experience the gratitude and joy that comes from pouring yourself out. This kind of goes back to the first point, but when we're so focused on what we have or don't have or what's going on in our life, we miss the needs of the greater world around us. When you serve and give generously, you put yourself in to experience things around you that are going on, to experience that gratitude and thankfulness in pouring yourself out, and you have the opportunity to experience that in another way, in another sphere, and in another time. Number five, my numbers are all messed up. Is it five? Uh, meditation, right? Meditation, thinking through things. This can be spiritual and physical benefits, right? Meditation can be worship. Meditation can be scripture reading or prayer or simply practicing being present in the Lord's 
presence, right? Science and faith agree that this is a major component of a happy life, sitting down and thinking your own thoughts, removing distractions, turning off the TV five minutes earlier before bed, turning off your phone a little bit earlier before bed, and having just a moment to interact with yourself, with your God, with what's been going on through your day, and cultivating what am I thankful for today? What are the areas, the places, the things that we can actually put in place there? And that leads to number six, the number one habit thing that you can cultivate right now to experience more gratitude, more thanksgiving in your life is to have a daily gratitude journal. A daily gratitude journal. As the scientists from Berkeley and Harvard did their work, this was their primary means of gathering data. They had one group who they had just journal, they had another group who they had do nothing, and they had a third group who they said, why don't you journal all the things that you're grateful for at the end of your day? And this is where in those control groups they found blood pressure went down, they found that people slept better, all those litany of positive things that we laid out. If you take five minutes before bed and you simply think about the things that you're grateful for, you might make columns of people or things or events and experiences and then begin listing them. As you list them, taking the time not only to be thankful, but then find some way to express your thankfulness either to that person or to God for the good things in your life. All right, so science and faith agree. If you want to change your life, be grateful. And the world is changing for you and for others, and it's been affirmed for centuries that right now we need to put ancient things into practice. Meditation, gratitude, thanksgiving, and it's not hard. It just takes a little bit of intentionality. All right, so during my, my time away, one of the things that I was focused on was my physical health. I started working out again, which was sorely, sorely needed. And uh, I happen to have an Apple Watch. Any other Apple people out there, Apple Watches, right? So Apple Watch has this great thing where it annoys you throughout the day to do positive, healthy things. Hey, you should fill out your move ring. Hey, have you thought about exercising? Hey, get off the couch, stupid. It doesn't say that. But it says all of these things, right, to try and encourage you. And so at first when I started doing that, right, when you finish an activity, it pops up with like a little firework on the screen. And uh, I'm a pretty intelligent guy, and so I was like, I don't need a stupid firework, right? Like, I don't need that. Like, I'm motivated by myself. I don't need, except that the next day I got excited for it, right? I was like, oh, I'm going to finish this, then I'm going to get my little firework at the end of the day, all right? And then it started happening like day after day, and then after a week, you get a special medal that says you did it for the whole week. And then if you do it for a whole month, it gives you another medal. And I was like, stupid thing, right? Like, they got me, right? The psychology behind it is ingenious. Do you know why? Because they know how people work, right? Apple has done their research, and they know that if they give teeny tiny little motivations, right? They're not intrinsic motivations. They're not external, right? If I throw away the watch, the medals don't like, come to my house, or, right? Like, there's nothing physically rewarding about it at all, but it's that tiny little hit of dopamine. It's that tiny little encouragement that has enough to rewire my brain to where when I step away from my home to go out for a few days, I'm going, ooh, but I gotta close my rings. Somehow I gotta get my firework, right? I don't want my streak to end, right? This is because this is how people work. And so rather than just tell you about doing a gratitude journal, rather than just saying, hey, if you do this, it will change your life, we actually bought everybody teeny tiny little gratitude journals, okay? So for this series, as you go home, here's your challenge. This, 
right? This is it. It doesn't take much. It's not hard. I'm asking you for five minutes a day, preferably right before you go to bed. So take this. You're going to go home. You're going to set it on your nightstand. You're going to set it where you charge your phone at night because you all have that place in your house, right? And you're going to go there five minutes early and you're going to pick this up and you're going to just sit back and you're going to go, huh, what am I grateful for today? What's something positive that happened today? Where can I express thanksgiving to God in all circumstances for what's going on right now? What's the person or place or the, or the thing that I can do based on this? And I'm going to give you three little teeny tiny action steps that you can take with this. So each night take five minutes to number one, write. You're going to write what you're grateful for. You can journal, you can write a word, you can write a phrase. I don't care, you can do bullet points, you can do stars, you can do a piece of art. I don't care what you do, but you're going to write something that you're grateful for. Number two, you're going to reflect each day and have the opportunity to think through, okay, what am I grateful for? Not only today, but then to look back, because as you do this, there's a couple pages, right? And we're going to do this series for six weeks, and you're going to do this every day for six weeks, right? Over, I, a little bit louder next time, but you're going to do this for six weeks, right? And you're going to have the opportunity then to flip back and reflect and to think over the things so that when you have a bad day, when today, I've got nothing to be grateful for today, guess what? You flip back the pages. Oh, that's right. I forgot that was just yesterday. I'm still grateful for that. I forgot that was last week. Yeah, I can still be thankful that that's true and present in my life. And then number three, I'm going to challenge you to act by expressing your gratitude. You're going to write down something you're grateful for. You're going to spend the time reflecting on your day, flip through the past pages to find something that you're grateful for. And then number three, you're going to act on it. Here's what that act could be. Telling someone, hey, thank you. That really meant the world to me. I want you to know that I was thankful for you today. And you're going to write them a text. You're going to send them a note. You're going to write the email. You're going to make the phone call. Or when you come to church next week as we're milling around and you've got a couple minutes, you're going to ask somebody, hey, what was in your gratitude journal this week? Here's what mine was. And you're going to have the opportunity to share and to perpetuate a cycle of thanksgiving. Because while feeling gratitude is one thing, the science says that the real money comes when we express it. Right? And that's why when we come to church, we have this opportunity to express our thanksgiving to God. And who knows, this teeny tiny journal, this five-minute habit, has the opportunity to change and impact your life, not just today, not just for this six weeks, but has the chance to make a difference in your life for eternity and the lives of those people that you minister to, that come into contact with you, with the ones in your life. You have the opportunity to express that gratitude to them and to invite them into a similar process. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. And speaking of which, if you're at home, by the way, and you're going, well, I'm not there to get a journal. I don't need a stupid journal to do gratitude. I'll do it on my own. I want to challenge you to be like the Apple Watch. Make a time this week. Come in. We'll put them outside if you want. We can do contactless delivery, whatever it takes. But make an appointment sometime next week to come and pick up your gratitude journal. Our office is open 9 to 5. We've got plenty of space to give them to you. Or you can pick one up next week when you join us. But this is a fundamental habit that has the power to change your life in five minutes a day. I want to give you that opportunity, that grace, invite you into that challenge and to remind you that while it is physical and it is scientific, it's also spiritual. It's also the opportunity that God has for us. And I hope that that's a gift and a blessing to you. We're going to pray and then we'll sing one more song before we close today. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, it is tremendously difficult, it feels like, to find those areas of gratitude and thanksgiving. 
But hopefully as we've heard your word today, as we've recited some ancient promises, God, our minds are already being cultivated and brought towards a positive area that we can think on and reflect on and give ourselves to. God, I'm a firm believer that you empower and equip scientists to get in touch with the way that you've created us to be, and so we are grateful for this new datum. We're grateful for the opportunity to learn, to hear from it. God, would you give us the courage, the boldness, the audacity to believe you in this, to put these things in practice, to start a new small habit that has the potential to change our brain chemistry, the way that we see and interact with the world, and that you would be blessed, that you would be going on further in our lives simply because we, in obedience, put into practice what your scripture says and what science tells us makes the most sense for our mental health and for our bodies. God, I want us to get to Thanksgiving and to not be able to stop talking at the Thanksgiving table about the tremendous things that we're thankful for because you've equipped us, you've challenged us, you've blessed us in so many ways. Sure, the world is falling apart. Yes, we're in one of the most divisive elections in all of history, God, but we can be grateful that you've given us time, space, and opportunity for the things that you give us. And when we pause and reflect on those things, God, you will change our minds, change our hearts, open us up to experience more and more of you. And so, God, we pray and ask in faith that you would do all that you promise and more, that something that sounds so silly and so mundane could actually be profound for us as we practice it together in these next few weeks. As we now sing your praises and give you thanks, God, would you knit this message together in our hearts, remind us of its truth, and challenge us to practice it in whatever way that you can in 